2: We've done it again. We're back for another Star Wars episode. This time we're continuing the map making series by talking about how Luke runs away, and hides the map to his location. In Star Wars Episode 7, Force Awakens, we have just that, an awakening. It's all about these new characters coming to know who they are and what the mission is. The through line that holds the story together is that everyone is searching for jedi master luke skywalker seems like everybody has this reliance on luke that if they're going to be able to defeat the first order and overcome this new evil they're going to go right back to the well that they did in the original trilogy luke skywalker himself and yet, Luke can't do it alone, but everybody is still trying to find the map to get to Luke, and they see that as the only logical step that they can take. So why does Luke go run and hide? And aren't we all a little bit like Luke sometimes? We take the map, we run and hide, and we all have our reasons for why we do that. You know, some of us, it's due to our past, due to the pain that we've caused other people, or that we've gone through ourselves. Sometimes it's because we want other people to take a more prominent role potentially. And still other times, it's because we're just burnt out and we need to get out of the fray for a little while. How we process that opportunity and how we move forward for the good of others, not for the good of ourselves is what makes us magnanimous. Let's go ahead and look at how and why Luke hides the map in The Force Awakens. Welcome to Wonder Tour.
1: All right. Hello again, everyone. This is Brian. I'm here with Drew, and we have found the piece of our own missing map, and we have the legend, the man himself, Derek Cobb, back with us. So, Derek, welcome back to Wonder Tour.
0: It's good to be back. I did hide the map and the BB-8, but you guys just wouldn't stop, so here I am. We've got the lightsaber going
1: through the dry cycle right now, and we'll be back in business here shortly. So, Derek, let's talk a little bit about this situation that Luke's put himself in. What do you think is going on here?
0: Well, it's kind of weird. We were talking about this offline, right? And I was always curious about the why behind. Why hide a map? Why hide the map to yourself? Why run away? I think they hit us with this really hard here when you get into episode seven. They need some kind of a shocker. We've kind of kicked it around. And he doesn't want to be found, but there is a shred of him that wants to be found. What do you guys think about that? Oh, there's this human
2: element to it. Uh, I don't know, I can relate to. So I imagine other people can relate to as well, where sometimes you just distance yourself from a certain initiative or from a certain group or something like that. And sometimes you just drift, and it's not quite on purpose. But other times, you know, you go through this event in life, or somebody went through an event, and you're just like, okay, you know, I need to take some time off away from this. And sometimes you do that without any inkling of how it'll all come back together. In this situation, I think it's interesting because, like you said, Luke literally leaves a map to himself. So he's not putting himself out there and saying, you know, I'm just going to distance myself from this community that he really helped build and, and was one of the heroes of. That people are still like the legend of Luke Skywalker. They're out there looking for him. But he's not completely given up on it, because otherwise, you know, he could have just completely gone off the radar, off the map, no way to contact him or find him. To me, it seems like, at least in the context of the other episodes, eight and nine It has a lot to do with the pain that he caused and the regret that he has the feeling that he isn't worthy to be the jedi master who trains the students because one of his students turned to the dark side and that was his greatest fear and so as a result he more or less cuts himself off from the force cuts himself off from the rest of the community and puts himself in a space where the only way that he will leave that space is if everything is crashing down around it. Basically, he's like, it, the only time I'm gonna leave here is if everything's gonna get destroyed anyway. So I don't know. To me, it just feels like he's gone through so much trauma that he doesn't want to experience it again or thrust that on anybody else, and he's he's just shut himself out entirely.
1: As you're talking about it, and as I think about it, I feel like the element here is right that he doesn't trust himself. He knows he's a powerful Jedi, he knows he was involved in taking down the Empire, like he knows he was Luke Skywalker, and he had high ambitions, like I'm gonna rebuild everything. And he tried it and it went horribly spectacularly wrong. He almost says it out loud, right, in the second movie, but even in this movie, put him in a situation himself in a situation where he can't touch anybody else, right? He can't screw up because nobody else is around, so he can't mess anything up. He doesn't trust his own abilities. But he doesn't go hide under a rock on Tatooine or some unnamed moon, right? He goes to the original Jedi temple and he leaves a map and he submerges but doesn't destroy the X-Wing. He's got in the back of his mind that he could potentially figure it out, right? He's going to the place where the great Jedis came from. He's got this idea that maybe there's some redemption, but he doesn't trust himself to be actively engaged in the world anymore. And so he's just kind of off on a pilgrimage somewhere. That sense of having great power and not knowing how to deploy it or not trusting yourself to do the right thing is hard to get past.
0: I think that's what happens when you pull yourself out of the situation, right? When you do run away, then you immediately lose your flow of information and then you start to become more irrelevant and more irrelevant. And I think that when you do leave that map, you come back to the fray with a lot of old information. That's kind of like the hit you take for running away. (laughs) Right. It's not a it's not all beneficial. Yes, you get space, but when you get space, then you realize like maybe some of the good things you actually did do. I think that he does realize some of the good that he did after being on that island for a while, building these little stone huts with his brain. I don't know, I just envision him like lifting those rocks with his mind, (laughs) putting them all putting them all together. Right. Like Legos. Like, well, I'm here. I might as well start building some rocks and hanging out with these weird ladies that are taking care of the island. I don't know. (laughs) But he's got a lot of time on his hands and he has some time to think about. So I think one of the things that I do think that you hide a map is to bring yourself solace when you are alone. You're like, well, at least I hid the map right? And maybe somebody's coming for me. And I think that is an interesting mechanism that we can tug on in the next episode when we start to talk about some uh, other topics relating to, you know, hope and belief. And so I don't know, what do you think about that? How it gives you solace that there is kind of like an inkling or a potential out there or like a 1% chance or It does something for you. It's almost like it has to keep you alive. Like if you burned every bridge around your island, for example, metaphorically and literally here, what does that get you? And how does that feel versus what he did kind of leaving that door cracked open?
1: No, that's good. I think you're absolutely right. Of course, it's a plot device that we need to have something new, you know, we need to go rescue Luke Skywalker. But for his character, the idea that he's still idealistic, like he still wants to believe in doing the right thing. He still wants to believe that he can help, but he's got this conflict and he doesn't trust it. So he's sort of leaving the door open and putting it on somebody else. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not coming back unless they try really hard to come get me. (laughs) But I might be open to it or Maybe I'll be really rude to them when they show up.
2: He's open to the concept eventually. I know in episode eight, Ray has to convince him to, quote unquote, leave the island. He doesn't really leave the island. But, you know, he does create the what's the he creates a projection. (laughs) We're big on projections here at Tour, or small on them, depending on how you think about it. But he creates the projection and he does leave the island. So. I think he knows deep down that he has another job to fulfill, that he has another test that he has to pass, but he doesn't trust himself to pass it currently. And so he completely cuts himself off and says, OK, well, I'm only a break in case of emergency leader now. <laughs> That's it.
1: And I think the other way to think about this is pressure, the weight of expectations is that if we think about everybody else in this movie that knew him back when, there's this kind of default, well, Luke was the one that saved us before. He's the only one that could possibly do anything. That's a very uncomfortable situation to be in, especially if you're doubting yourself, if you're lacking trust in your own abilities. And so he's trying to separate himself from that, from everybody staring at him and wanting him to solve their problems. And that's a, you know that's a real thing. I've been in that situation. I've been I've been on both sides of that situation. I've been, you know, why do you keep expecting me to solve the problems? Why don't you figure it out yourself? And I've also been like, you know, hey, you, you're in the job of boss. Why don't you
0: solve my problem? That's your job,
1: right? Regardless of what their capabilities or emotional state or other demands on their life are.
0: And I think that's why you hide a map too. You want to filter out all of the people who could potentially come and stop by Luke's Island. This time on Luke's island, Ray shows up and oh man, there's some real drama. <laughs> right? And thankfully, he got somebody who was force enabled. I mean, can you imagine if, uh, I don't know, Babu Frick shows up on the island and, like, hey, Luke, oh, he's so good. <laughs> I don't think it would have gone over very well. I think Babu Frick would have like been put in a slingshot and shot back out in space, <laughs> potentially. So with that, I think we want to hide the map sometimes, especially when we've done something big. Maybe we've failed big. I like what you said about expectations, Brian. I think expectations are, are huge, and I feel that. I definitely feel that being involved in some of the things that I've been involved in, in work-type roles in the past. You also have that in family-type expectations as well. And you can just, if you take it seriously, and this is, I think, the key, if you're an authentic leader and a magnanimous leader, takes it pretty seriously. And I think there is a time and place, though, where you do have to try to step away somehow, but you don't really get those opportunities that often in life to do that. It's not like you can just jet off. I mean, honestly, most of them involve breaking laws, <laughs> right? Or some kind of a legal thing comes up against you, whatever, because you've run away. And I don't want to make light of that. But I at the same time, there is a contrast here. Like When you live in space, there are plenty of places to run away to. And there is no technology there to track you. And he actually has a chance to do this. But
2: There are vaster spaces, I would argue. Yeah, that- there are vaster spaces, yeah when we run away, we don't run away physically in the current world. The current world is so connected that physically or digitally to run away is hard, but the universe is already large enough. The world is large, but it's so much larger when you add the dimensions of emotions and relationships. And when you run away mentally or emotionally from somebody or from something, that expanse can be much larger than the physical expanse is and can feel insurmountable and like you need a key or you need a map to be able to get back.
1: But that emotional distance that you build, that's a real thing, right? Like the, the way we handle it in a world where you can't physically go is we're looking at this picture right now of the look on Luke Skywalker's face when Rey shows up on his island, right? <laughs> have you ever given that look to somebody that you loved or somebody that was needing or wanting something from you? Like probably, I'm sure I have.
0: That's a telemarketer look right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> again
1: that's the uh yeah exactly well you want well, okay so you want you want to sell me a new lawn treatment like that's you know so it was like the true green guy just rolled up on his island he's like look around you does it look like i need true green but that's <laughs> you know you put those shields up you put the force field up of like oh i'm not gonna let anybody in that's the way you gain distance and so he's done he's done it physically and emotionally in all of the Crazy comic book ways that a, a Jedi in one of these movies can. But that instinct of I'm going to wall myself off and not be open to requests. That's a real thing. We've seen that any number of times. We've done that. Is that called apathy? It's, I think it's stronger than that, right? It, it's I don't want to care. It's like I refuse to care. That only happens when you've had a negative experience. You still care and you don't trust yourself to get
0: engaged again. Is there instead. a word for that? Disconnected? it has got to be something more meta. Cut off. Cut off. I don't know. Something like that. It, cut off, at least, is a little bit more visceral. Ouch. Yeah, it does hurt when you say that. Yeah, it and sounds like offense like offense was intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like what you guys were saying about how you're right. I could change my IP address by one number on the octet, and I would be disconnected. <laughs> right? Right now. <laughs> and so I think you're right. It is very easy to do that with the digital. So you can gain some space that way. Let's empathize with being Luke. We'll do that first, and then we can empathize uh, the other way around, like looking for a Luke. So you can cut yourself off emotionally. You can cut yourself off physically. That's not as easy, especially during seasons in your life where you have responsibilities, especially at work when you have to show up and maybe do the thing that you don't want to do or whatever. You know, It doesn't matter what it is. It really is those two dimensions. I think that there's a way to cut yourself off as well, just being inauthentic. And I think that's where you get the persona aspect of things, right? Where you just play a part. What do you guys think about that? Luke could have totally played along. Hey, how you doing? Get back in your ship, please. I don't want to drain somebody else. Bringing back bad memories.
2: That's the character development well that you have to go back to that we always talk about. You're kind of called back to where you came from. And (laughs) it's the kind of Once again, the concentric circles between the past, present and future is that generally, if there is a failing in the past that you had or that somebody else had that you went through, the concentric circles theory of story says that you probably have to go back through that event or a parallel event and pass the test this time or allow somebody else to pass the test in a magnanimous way. So that you can reach closure on that situation. It's not to say that you can't move forward if you don't have that sort of an event. Of course you can. But you get this really nice closure when you do get to go back to, hey, I failed training Ben. I don't want to train Ray. Okay, maybe I could train Ray, but I'm not going to train her very much. You know, she's going to have to be able to do well. Otherwise, blah, blah, blah. He gives up all these different excuses. And in the end, it closed his loop for him right? It wasn't about him, but it allowed him to close his loop. He had this passing of the baton to Ray, where he does his one final stance in episode eight. He creates the projection. He saves the, you know, allows them to escape. He doesn't defeat the First Order, not at all. All he does is allow the resistance to escape. But Ray is going to be the vessel that is able to defeat the First Order. And so he passes the baton in that way. So he has to reach those concentric circles. So now bringing in the concentric circles model, into this idea of running away and hiding the map. I'm going to turn it back over to you guys. How does that change this idea that as magnanimous leaders, whether we run away or not, we do kind of seek those concentric circle moments in our lives, even if we're running away from them?
1: (laughs) I was looking for a quote, and I'm not sure I'll find it exactly um, on short notice, but I ran across the idea recently that we We tend to remember bad things that happened. We tend to focus on them. We tend to obsess over them. We tend to kind of sit with them and chew on them and have them loom large in our minds. Where good things that happen, even unexpected good things, tend to get processed very quickly and then sort of left behind. And the assertion that I heard was a way to look at that was that we accept the good things. We believe them. We're like, oh, this 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 must have happened. I must have deserved this. This is okay. And so you sort of incorporate it into your worldview and you move on. When something significant and bad happens, we often can't accept it. And so you just sort of sit there with it sticking out like I can't I can't reconcile my view of the way the world should be with this thing that happened. So I'm just going to wrestle with it and I'm going to let it sit there and fester in my mind. And I feel like that's a little bit what's going on here with Luke. Like you said, you know, he's got this thing that he can't deal with all of the good things that he did, all of his capability, all of his successes in his life. He's completely discounted those. He's like factored them in. But the bad thing that happened, I tried to stand up at the Jedi Temple and I went horribly wrong and Kylo Ren murdered all of the students and then went off and started, you know, joined the First Order. Like, he just can't process that. And so he's physically separating himself from the world, just sort of sitting with that. And that's not what everybody else remembers about him. Everybody else remembers the failure, but also remembers the successes. And they may have a more balanced view or they might just need something from him. But his self-image and his ability to deal with the world has been compromised. And that's not the way that everybody else is thinking about him.
2: So let's use the map central metaphor of this series. Luke has taken a pretty good map of reality that he has one of the best. And he is not necessarily getting rid of it entirely, but he's shutting it down. That's he's, he's taking he is, he's getting rid of it.
1: He has literally in the movie, he has cut himself off from the force. Right?
2: Yeah. So he, which is his map to reality in, in Star Wars, right? <laughs> uh, spoiler for episode two. We're going to go right. into here. The force is a map of reality. And since he shut himself out from that, map of reality because of one failure basically maybe there's other failures that we don't catch in the mainline narrative but because of that one main failure with ben he throws away what for the most part was a perfectly good map that actually could help a lot of people and that feels pretty personally applicable to me i have definitely been through that and that's kind of what you're saying brian is we have this bad event and then maybe we throw away the whole map let's say you try something new you go into a new space and you're like oh, wow, I'm getting this opportunity to be on a project or to be in a role that I haven't been in before or to lead people that I haven't led before, whatever. And when you do it, your first step out the gate might be good, but you forget about that. And by your second or third step, just because we're humans, we're bound to make mistakes. You screw something up and then you retreat back to something that you know, because you're just like, okay, I made my mistake. I guess I wasn't cut out to be able to play a musical instrument, for example. Right. I guess I'm just not musically inclined. I'm not artistic. Right. That happens to all of us as a kid. We find things that we don't think we're good at early on in life because we fail at them maybe once or twice. And then we take that and we make that our map of reality, even though before our map of reality was unformed or maybe we even thought, hey, I could be good at that. I can be good at new things. We just take it back and we hide that map of reality and we don't let it be beneficial for ourselves or anybody else.
0: Nice. And yet part of us hides that map and hopes somebody finds it. We hope that someone finds us, even though that we are incredibly disappointed with what we did. We hope deep down, I know this to be true, we hope deep down that somebody does see the good thing that we did. And I think that's why it's muted to what Brian said. Brian said that we tend towards, we are, I read a book, I don't know what it, I can't remember what the book is called, so we're not doing very well on sources this morning, but that's all right. That basically stated that our brains are teleological, right? That they use negative feedback. You missed the goal. You missed the goal. So work towards the goal. And so much of that physiologically is oriented towards closing the gap of what we're missing versus what we have, right? But I still think there's this deep down piece that even no matter how embarrassed you are, no matter how, whatever, you want to be found and you want to be understood, and I think that is something that a magnanimous leader can bring out in other people. So when we talk about being leaders, we have to own our own junk, bad stuff that's happened in our lives. I would highly recommend not hiding the map and empathize with these people around you that maybe are being held back, right, by the way that they see themselves, etc., right? They may have made some mistakes, and then you got to pull them through that. I think that's the way we can be leaders personally. When we're talking about business, what do you guys think when we're talking about the, the business context here?
1: Well, on the opposite version of this, right, is that you may have somebody on the team who's still there but is pretty disengaged, who has walled themselves off and is kind of given that, you know, putting up the force fields and not uh, not being very open. And of course, there's more nuances to the situation when you're employing somebody, but the the willingness to believe that somebody could come back, the willingness to believe that you can pursue them and try to re-engage them with the team and have them recognize, like you said, recognize the successes that they did have and try to leverage those into a more productive relationship, that's something that's available to you you can look for clues that the person is open to coming back, that the person wants to be drawn back out again. And that's actually not unusual, right? People people want to feel needed. They want to feel valued. They want to feel like they can contribute. And if they're putting up the firewalls, it might be because they, you know, have had one or other bad experiences or they don't trust that they're going to be valued. But those opportunities are there if you look
0: for the clues.
2: Do we want to hit the mountaintop here now, Derek?
0: Sure. So as we get to this mountaintop, essentially the... The high point of episode seven was always the end, at least for me, because you're like, my gosh, she found Luke and she gets there and she climbs up the mountain. Yes, our mountaintop today is on top of a mountain and she gets up there and she sees Luke and he stares her down and it just really got me. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. He is not happy to see her. And I think that there's really something telling about that as we've taken into light of all the things we've said so far in this conversation. What do you guys take away? And really, this is kind of takeaway slash mountaintop here because we've had a significant amount of discussion on this topic so far. We know he doesn't want to be found, but yet a little piece of him wants to be found. So go with that.
2: Yeah, so as we move off the mountaintop, kind of down the mountain into the takeaways here,
0: some of the key takeaways
2: for me is that Luke runs away because he doesn't trust himself. Brian, you also said because his expectations are really high on him and the combination of him not trusting himself and the expectations being too high on him. The only response that he has is to run basically, but he hasn't given up completely. and I think that's a situation that we find ourselves in for sure. When we run away as humans, very rarely are we just burning all the bridges We're trying to leave open a way to communicate with us still, right? Maybe like we deleted your number or we got a new cell number, but we still we're on the grid. You could still reach us if you knew how to reach us because we don't want to be gone for good. And we kind of do that because we overreact when we make mistakes. And as a result, we throw away the map. So getting back to the central metaphor of our series being map making, we're trying to build out these mental models of reality And a lot of times what happens is we fail when we're making those, just like Luke does with his training methods, right? He wanted to be Master Yoda. He wanted to be Ben Kenobi, but he couldn't be. And so since he was different and since his models failed him with Ben, or at least he thought they did, he overreacts and throws the whole thing out and tries to get rid of those models. But the thing is, he didn't throw them away completely. Again, he left an opening. So even when we give up, it seems like we leave an opening, right? Like that map, it wasn't like he threw it in the trash can. It was just like he put it on a shelf in cold storage. And he could go back and get that training map if he needed it. And he does in episode eight to be able to train Ray. So how do we, what do you guys want to add here in terms of closing this one out? Yeah,
1: no, I think that that's kind of where we're going next. If we think about our our next discussion, we're going to compare and contrast kind of where we find Luke and all the implied history and how much of that is backward-looking with the journey that we see Ray in particular and the other characters in this movie go through, which is experiencing this world for the first time and experiencing all these giant challenges and these giant concepts, the Force and the First Order and the universe is doomed, like all these things, characters coming into this for the first time and sort of trying to grapple with it and embrace it. We'll see some real contrasts in how they approach it and also some real similarities in that challenge of letting go with the past and the challenge of embracing big opportunities or big obstacles. And that will lead us nicely from talking about the map as a metaphor to maybe a a more emotional series where we might start talking about the hope and belief duality. And we'll talk a little bit about how those words interact with each other. But we'll start to see some of that because that's really the central challenge of this movie is that there are some characters with hope but don't necessarily believe they have the capability to execute it. And we have some other characters that are sort of getting pulled in and need to figure out how they
0: fit into it.
2: Well, we haven't had one of these in a while. Derek, why don't you close us?
0: Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Brian. And remember, character is destiny. We'll see you next time.